Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Offerman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. Steelers starting to work themselves into a bit of a routine up at St. Vincent. Yesterday was the second day where the pads were out and a ton to get into. Seven shots, backs on backers. But before we do that, Labs, just some housekeeping I wanted to take care of on the injury front. We mentioned yesterday on the training camp report, Corey Trice Jr. went down with a non-contact knee injury and we were holding our breath, and unfortunately the news came out a little bit later yesterday that he has been placed on injured reserve. It is a pretty significant knee injury, and you know, as we kind of alluded to yesterday, that's really, really tough to see for the, the young man out of Purdue to have that you know, befall upon him just one day into padded practices. Yeah, and a non-contact injury, you know, uh, last play of um, you know, the tackle football run period. Um, yeah, everything about it was unfortunate. And, you know, the rules now, because uh, he was placed on injured reserve before the rosters were cut down to 53, uh, that means his season is done. Mm -hmm. Done, done, done. Doesn't matter. Um, anything doesn't matter. He cannot be brought back until, you know, after the this entire NFL season, postseason, uh, is over. So, uh, yeah, Corey Trice Jr., who uh, a lot of people were, uh, I don't know, I certainly was uh, surprised that he was a seventh-round pick. But, um, you know, unfortunately his rookie season is over, and now he's going he's gonna to face a long rehab. And, um, you know, you just don't know if there will be any long-term effects. I mean, right. um, you know, you, you, medicine has advanced – you know, tremendously now and um, surgeons can repair these uh, injuries and tendons and whatever else might be going on in that knee of his. Um, I don't really know all the specifics, uh, but, you know, how's this going to affect him psychologically, mentally? You know, I think I really believe that that was part of Devin Bush's problem. Um, you know, the player he was before that knee injury and the player he was after that knee injury. It's a great point. Uh, totally different. And um, I understand that, um, you know, the, they can show you, I mean, the surgeons and the, the rehab people and everyone, they can show you through the machines and tests and stuff that they have that theoretically, or, well, let me say that not theoretically, but actually your knee can be stronger than it was before the injury, but that has nothing to do with, you know, what's in your own head about it. And, yeah. um, so, you know, we're just going to have to see, I'm not predicting that Corey Trice is going to, is another Devin Bush in terms of, you know, the before and after, but I mean, certainly there's a lot of unknowns now, uh, hovering over him, uh, as this process moves on. 
Yeah, Corey Trice to IR, ending his season, unfortunately. The other roster move, injury-related running back Alfonso Graham was waived with an injury designation as a result of an injured shoulder. Two guys coming in to take those roster spots were safety Trenton Thompson and cornerback Isaiah Dunn. As far as the other injuries are concerned, Labs, KZ still out with an ankle. Uh, Keanu Neal had to be evaluated. Minka is still out, but that's not injury-related. He is excused by Mike Tomlin. Uh, and DeMarvin Leal had a little minor ankle injury as well. You know, outside of Trice and Graham, just seems like the, as Tomlin likes to put it, you know, the bumps and bruises that occur this time of year. Yeah, uh, you know, and the uh, the Graham situation too is, you know, it's one of those ones where, um, you know, there are certain people, their stature uh, on the roster uh, allows them to, you know, be able to get through an injury rehab um, during the training camp process. You know, other guys, um, you know, the train doesn't wait for them. Yep. And certainly an undrafted rookie free agent, uh, hmm, you know, they're, they're not going to wait for him. So you're waived with an injury designation, which means, you know, you're kept on um, um, injured reserve or wh wherever they stash him until you're healed or until the team and the player's representative come to an, a, a settlement and, um, you know, then you're cut loose. Well, it was another day for seven shots at Steelers practice. Just because there were some injuries doesn't mean that the show stops. It must go on. And another win for the defense labs, a 5-2 victory margin for that side of the ball. That's now four sessions in a row that the defense has gotten the better of the offense. I'm sure that the offensive players, Kenny Pickett and specifically, aren't feeling too happy about their performance lately. Yeah, I mean, and um, it's yeah, the the Steelers' defense is pretty good. There's there's no question about <laughs> just it. A little I mean, bit, but they're I think. they're just there have just seemed to be um, some inefficiency. I guess is a way I could describe it with the offense and how it is perform. It has been performing lately in this drill, um, and you know, I really can't definitively say well, this is the problem or that is the problem. There does seem to be some disconnect a little bit between uh, the quarterback and the receivers in some instances. Okay. Uh, sometimes the defense just makes a good play. You know, other times um, the, the play for the offense has seen, seemed to be there to be made and either, you know, the, the catch isn't secured or your feet don't get down in bounds or – you know, those kinds of little detail things. Um, but the bottom line is it's either a touchdown or it's not. And right. when it's not, you know, the defense wins. So, yeah, it was another uh, – this one was 5-2. Um, I'm looking at my notes here. Yes. So – and it was really kind of over uh, before Kenny Pickett left the field. Mm. I mean, the first four plays were um, – defensive victories so to speak um you know the one involving george pickens uh at the back line of the end zone was ruled uh, out of bounds by the nfl officials on uh, who are work who are working the practice you know again i don't have a vantage point that i could dispute that and nor is there instant replay. You still have not come up with that jumbotron. I, I'm waiting another day for you. To <laughs> you give secure, me one day secure, to come up with a jumbotron. I mean, geez, lads. Sec, secure the funding and get the thing installed. 
what are you waiting for? <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so, you know, uh, it, it, it is what it is. It's um, another win for the defense, and I don't know what uh, – maybe they're running out of um, good food for the defense <laughs> or whatever, but, uh, you know, it has been kind of a little bit of a streak here for the defense lately. But, you know, I'm kind of not surprised by it because I'm under the belief that not just for the Steelers, but even for those Cincinnati Bengals, Kansas City Chiefs, well, maybe not the Kansas City Chiefs with that freak at quarterback, but in general, offenses, I think, are a little bit behind the eight ball as opposed to defenses when you start a season. There's so much timing that is involved with running a successful offense that that just doesn't happen when you roll out of bed and put on the pads for the first time. And especially when you're doing a drill like seven shots and you've got two yards to work with before the end zone. I mean, that is all about timing when you get down into that area. So I think the defense can be a little bit ahead of the curve at this point in the season than offenses. Yeah, and it's no day at the beach rolling out of bed and doing a podcast. Amen, brother. And, um, you know, and there's, there's a lot fewer moving parts. To what we're doing than what they're doing so uh yeah there's there's explanations and stuff certainly but um i would think that you know pretty soon here um you know the 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 tide has to turn a little bit and you'd like to see this offense uh start being a little bit more efficient uh finish some plays in that area of the field um because um, you know, I, I really think that, that you, when you're looking at this team and its prospects for this upcoming season, you know, there are some things that need to be improved upon. You know, we've talked yep. about it the last few days, red zone efficiency. You know, as Art Rooney II said after last season in his meeting with the media, score more points. Um, right. You know, these are some things that, you know, you'd like to see maybe uh, making some uh baby steps even forward but um yeah so far it has kind of been a brick wall down there uh from the two-yard line for the offense well coach tomlin as he always does spoke to the media following practice yesterday let's take a listen to what he had to say man just another good day for us acclimating not to the environment but acclimating to full pads and and you know we have to continually be open to working to seeking perfection in terms of the things we're trying to get accomplished in that attire um, etiquette, professionalism, things of that nature. It's an educational process uh, that goes along with kind of some of the surface level things, alignment, assignment, technique, execution. And so uh, we'll keep working in that regard. We cannot tire in that regard. It's, it's important, man. If we want to get the desired product we want in stadium, we have to work continually um, to, to perfect our preparation environment. And there's a lot of meat on that bone. We've we're, we're, we got a lot of ways to go, but I'm sure everybody does. Um, but we have to we have to have a lot of urgency in that regard. From an injury perspective, um, KZ is still out with an ankle. Uh, Corey's got a significant knee injury. Um, Keanu Neal is being evaluated. Uh, Leal had a minor ankle or something that caused him to miss a portion of time. Uh, Deontay, um, the no- normal bumps and bruises that that occur this time of year. Um, We'll work our tails off to keep the group up, and they got to work their tails off to keep themselves up. Availability is a big component of this. I'll pause and open it up for questions. Oh, it's between us. Yep. I saw in seven shots, uh, George caught a pass, but he looked like he may have been out of the end zone. He didn't like that call. You were there for that, right? 
Yeah, there's going to be calls that you don't like, um, but, but the calls are the calls, and there's an educational process that goes on in environments like this, whether the call is correct or not, or whether you agree or disagree. Um, we got to move on. The call is the call. And, and so that's some of the, you know, learning that goes on for young people in an environment like this that are working their tails off to compete, and it becomes somewhat emotional. Um, calls are calls. Mike, it looked like Anthony McFarland had a good day, especially in his one-on-one reps. Just what have you liked out of him early so far? He looks like a guy who's been in this environment, and he has. Um, so so um, the consistency, you know, oftentimes we talk a lot about splash, and splash gets a lot of attention. One of the points that we're trying to drive home is uh, professionals make routine plays routinely. And I think that's been the thing that's gotten our attention regarding him. The routine play, the option route, the ball in the flat, um, the flare and things of that nature. Um, he is doing routine things very well, and, and that's important. How does his skill set complement the rest of the backs? To be determined. Um, you know, we'd have to know who that collection of backs is to analyze it in that perspective, and we're here to build. And so that's to be determined. Mike, as far as the offensive line goes, a lot of guys that saw significant time last year back, plus some new additions. What are you seeing about the guys up front offensively that might be different as opposed to what you saw in them last year? Competition makes us better. Familiarity makes us better. Not only familiarity with what we're doing, but with each other. We've got some continuity to build upon. Uh, we got stiffer competition, which brings the best out in all of us. For Broderick specifically, what's your assessment of him a couple days into pads and a few days of elevated reps? So far, so good. When you're looking at like, offensive line, defensive line, how do you go about determining who you want to face who? What are the kind of things you consider that? Some guys are good dance partners uh, for, for valid reasons. Some guys are good dance partners for intangible reasons. Just in an environment like this, particularly when you talk about people in stages development, what you're looking for is people that are at similar stages of development. You know, Isaac and Cam Hayward are awesome work partners. Why? Because they're both veteran and established interior guys, and so you'll see them work a lot together. That's an easy pair to match up. Uh, but some of the developmental guys that are in the process of growing, uh, those are more difficult, and we're trying to search for appropriate things. And if someone wins with a level of consistency, you elevate the matchups they're in, and that's this process. When you look at Darnell and Broderick and, and how they're competing in this camp, what does that say about the college program they come from and the competitiveness of that level? I think the two national championships in the last two years says it all. Speak to the energy of Quan so far and what he's brought. It seems like just a few days in. It's... Man, I tell you, he, he's a veteran. He might be new to us, but he's not new to environments like this or to professional football, and it's showing, it's showing in a hurry. With Corey Price, what was he showing you? What had he shown you up until? It was early in the process. It was our first day in pads, and that's just unfortunate, but it's, it's football and life. I'd rather say woe than sick him. I mean that. Do you say woe to him? Looks like it thus far, um, but that's my job. I'll do it. Anyone else? All right. Thanks, guys. Our first I'd rather say woe than sick him of the 2023 NFL <laughs> season labs. It feels right now. It feels like we've officially started. Yeah, that's 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 a um, that's an all-timer, Mike Tallmanism. Uh, it's something that I. I remember his first year, uh, he, he says. And again, it's something that he definitely believes, and you can see that based on you know, how practice is conducted and how he kind of officiates it. Um, yeah, he would rather try and calm things down than try and fire things up. And so um, you know, that, is, that is a credo that he lives by. And if you've watched uh, a lot of, 
uh, training camp under Mike Tomlin. There are countless, countless examples of that uh, that you, you can see on the field. Well, one guy that you have to say woe to a lot is Quan Alexander. He mentioned him there just being such a total pro. I mean, it's hard to come into an environment like this to drop into a camp like this just a couple of days ago and seem like you've been there all offseason through the OTAs and mini camps. But if there's any way to have a seamless transition in just a couple of days, I think Quan Alexander's done it. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that um, is true about when uh, the Steelers add someone um, to the roster who, you know, as Mike Tomlin says, is new to us, but he's not new to the NFL or, you know, these kinds of situations. Because, you know, you, you really don't have to teach Quan Alexander right. too much. All, what you have to do is explain to him what he already knows, but what it's called here. So he's just learning new verbiage for the things that he already knows. Um, you know, whatever his assignment might have been on a particular play or against a particular formation against the Jets, that assignment uh, is probably within the, the Steelers' playbook as well. It's just called something different. So, you know, that's, that's all um, that's going on there with a guy like him. I mean, it's... Um, you know, when we played the sound from Quan Alexander uh, the day that he arrived here, uh, you know, there were some instances where that's kind of what he was saying. Yep. You know, um, it's just terminology. So he's not learning. Again, it's not something like he's coming from college where um, the position that he's playing is, you know, totally different or the demands uh, made on that position are totally different. The, the, it's the same thing. It's just called something different. And so, you know, instead of, uh, you know, I don't know, some of the equipment that uh, you operate on a regular basis, if you would move to a different um, organization, it'll probably be the same equipment. They might just call what you're running something else. So uh, th that makes, I think, um, the adjustment, uh, the, um, you know, the integration of that individual into your uh, system or way of doing things a lot easier than it would be for you know someone you would have to start from scratch with. Well, Quan Alexander and his linebacking brethren enjoyed the first session of backs on backers a couple of days ago when they had the advantage, but the pendulum swung in the other direction for yesterday's session. We'll get into backs on backers from yesterday's practice next. You're listening to the Training Camp Report on SNR. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one -on -one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Opperman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. The running backs had to undergo a bit of a butt kicking on the first padded practice a couple of days ago when they did their backs on backers drill. But if they didn't like it, Labs, all they had to do was wait 24 hours because the very next day, Tomlin flipped the advantage, didn't he? As he so often loves to do. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, an example, you know, of the different variations of the same drill. And, you know, one of the reasons why the job of an inside linebacker on defense is so difficult because one day, you know, you're you're uh, living in clover, running over somebody who's maybe 50 pounds lighter than you. You have a head start and he can't cut you. And then the next day you're trying to cover that guy all over the field uh, against the quarterback who is not facing a pass rush. And, um, you know, well, one seems impossible for one side of the ball. The other one, it seems impossible for the other side of the ball. And, you know, yesterday, um, Anthony McFarland, um, you know, he got to live it up a little bit. I mean, he didn't exactly have a, uh, a, a big day um, the first day of pads in the um, more, I, I won't say more popular, but the more original version of backs on backers. Um, but yesterday... Uh, he was unstoppable. Um, you know, everybody, nobody could cover him. They they just couldn't. And, you know, we heard Mike Tomlin talking about, um, you know, he looks like uh, he's been in this environment and, um, you know, he was making a lot of the routine plays routinely, uh, you know, and um, Mike Tomlin listed, you know, option route, ball in the flat, flare, things of that nature. Uh, Anthony McFarlane ran them all and he beat everybody. So, uh, and a lot of them were deep down the field. The guy can catch. And, and as I said, you know, the, it was a lot of it was Kenny Pickett. Uh, but you know, there's no pass rush. And, you know, you, I'm, I'm not saying it's simple or anything, but the degree of difficulty is sure a lot less than it would be, you know, if you're standing in there you know, against a live pass rush. So, um, yeah, it was a big day for Anthony McFarland. It was a you know, Najee Harris. Um, had several nice plays. He made this one deep down the sideline over the shoulder catch that was very wide receiver-esque, if you ask me. And uh, I think that, you know, watching the whole drill, maybe Cole Holcomb had, and I'm generously scoring this one pass defense, and he was the only guy who got close to anything. Uh, well, that's somewhat that's, encouraging that's the way. because people were kind of high on his coverage skills. So Yeah, well, and... And uh, but still, you see how um, difficult that is. Yeah. Uh, it just. Um, Have you ever really seen and, a linebacker in your years like do it well? Like maybe a Shazier or somebody like that. Well, well, but it, yes, he would. He would. He was better than everyone else. That's a better way to put but, it. Yeah. But it's still. I mean, you know, again, you don't shut that down. I mean, you just can't. The the, you know, the quarterbacks are too accurate. Um, you know, and they have uh, officials there watching it. So if you get too handsy, you know, or grabby or any of that stuff, they they throw a flag just like they do in real games. Um, you know, it's a very difficult uh, situation to be put in. And, you know, again, uh, I keep saying this, you know, fans get aggravated you know, when they're watching games 
you know, and, and running backs win those matchups or when it's really unfortunate for the defensive player when the offensive formation or, you know, the motions or whatever, you know, stick a linebacker on a wide receiver or something. I mean, that's, um, you know, if your pass rush doesn't get there, um, you know, uh, it's pretty much pitch and catch for the offense. So, yeah, it was, it was a little payback. And, again, it's not fair. Certainly, but I mean, it's even. So, uh, you know, I think the next time this drill comes up, they'll do it the old way again. And then after that, they'll do it, you know, this way. And it just, again, it, I, I, I'm repeating myself, but it does really point out uh, the, ver- the, the varied skills that, first of all, the running backs have and that the uh, linebackers need. And, um, yeah, you know, well, when I look you know, at Anthony, uh, Anthony McFarland in the drill, you know, you mentioned him, Tomlin mentioned him. He, he's just a, a pro. He makes the routine plays look routine, which is what a, a veteran of his stature should. Harris and Warren are clearly the one, two when it comes to that running back room. But McFarland can really, you know, carve out a small role for himself when it comes to his pass catching ability. I think that's something that they were very high on him when he came out of college and, you know, he's showing it in this drill yesterday. And if he can continue to show it throughout camp, throughout the preseason, I'm not saying that Anthony McFarland's going to become a, you know, a fulcrum for the Steelers offense in 2023, but you can see him out there in nine, 10 plays per game with a, a specific use in mind. Yeah. And, but let me also make this point, you know, he's going to have to be representative in the in the protection area because if you if you put him in and all he can do is run patterns um you know it's not going to take defenses very long to figure that out yeah, either this ain't maryland and, anymore you got to do more here at this right level. It, it's it's not maryland anymore and um there will be a, a rush on the on the passer so uh you know they can maybe and i'm just speculating here maybe uh if Let's just pretend that Anthony McFarland uh, doesn't show that he is representative in the pass protection thing. Then when he's in the game, they just go after the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, and uh, you're on your back. So there's there's that way of dealing with it too. Um, you know, that's what happens when it's it goes from a drill-like um, format to an actual game-like format because now all of the other people on both sides of the ball have to be involved as well and have to be doing their jobs for the either either side to be successful, whether it's we're talking looking at it from the offensive side or the defensive side. So, yes, Anthony McFarland has um, some skills that you would think can be utilized uh, from that position, but he also has to be representative in some of the other areas for him to actually be effective once the real game start. Well, speaking of protecting the quarterback, Steelers rookie Broderick Jones, who is in a battle for that left tackle spot with Dan Moore, stopped by and chatted with the media before yesterday's practice. Let's take a listen to what the young man had to say. Now that you're a week and a half into this, have you noticed the difference between the way Coach T does things and the way Coach Smart did things? Yeah, I think Coach T is a little more mellow about things you know like he'll still get on you he'll still push you but you know the intensity's just not it, it doesn't match you know like 
Coach Smart is just always like full goal all the time. You know, Coach, he's just a little bit more laid back. How's your body holding up? You guys are, you're not only taking all the seconds, you have to take some first team reps. You guys stay after practice as a, as a unit. Yeah, like, man. Like another hour. I mean, is it tiring? Uh, not really. Um, we did, you know, first day of passes yesterday, so uh, check in with me about been a week, but um, for the most part, you know, everything's been smooth, you know. Um, I like when we stay after practice to get those extra reps because, you know, every rep counts. Um, so it's just like mentally what it is for us is all mental. So like after practice, those mental reps, you know, getting it in, you know, just figuring out what works for you, um, working on things that don't as much. Um, and just trying to hone in on your skills. Everyone talks about viral players. We saw that big one yesterday. Now, as an offensive player, you don't sort of look at the last thing. You seem to go over that. So if you're talking to him, what do you tell him after a play like that? Next rep. That's all it is, you know. Uh, this is the NFL. You know, everything's not going to be perfect. You're going to get beat. Um, so you just got to take it in, get back to it on the next rep. And, you know, just like I said, continue to improve, you know, like watching film, making sure your techniques right, every, you know, all the little things. But his techniques seem to be right. He was right there defending yeah. that play. Right? You know, that, that's, that's just a George Pickens play. Like, that was good defense. Like, you really can't beat that. Like, Joey can't beat himself up about that. You know, he was in phase. You know, it was, it was good defense. You know, it was just a good ball thrown and a good catch. Like, so. You've seen that enough times to know. Yeah, yeah, like. George has been doing that since I met him. So. You had just a, just a couple passes as you were heading off the field yesterday. Man, you know, rookie duties call. Um, <laughs> you know, so I just take it in with a grain of salt, you know. How many did you wear? I probably had like eight pair of 10 pads. Yeah, it was a lot of pads. It was heavy. <laughs> is, that, is it the, the tamest rookie duties that have been asked of you up to this point? Uh, you know, I really feel like as a rookie, I'm not getting it as bad as some people say. So, um, you know, I just take it and roll with it. The three one-on-one uh, -on -one reps you went up against yesterday, did you win all three of them? Uh, I think I lost the first one. I won the second one. The The third one was kind of iffy. It was 50-50, so. Pancake isn't considered a win? Uh, well, you know, like in the NFL, you're not going to get as many pancakes as you, you would. And so. I really don't look at it as a pancake. I just look at it as, you know, just trying to provide. Um, but you never know because you don't have, like, a real quarterback back there. You don't know what his progression is going to be. You don't know if he's stepping up in the pocket. You don't know if he's, you know, getting back. So you never know. You just, um, like, one-on-one pass rush really isn't uh, a game. That, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really just about technique. Um, so, you know, you just got to try and be the best um, and do the best, do the best of your ability, and just you know see what happens. Are you happy with your technique then? I feel like my technique is getting way better um, from just being able to go in day in and day out, and you know really just hone in on those skills and those techniques and things. So, you know, I feel like I've improved a lot. Um, I'm sure one of the things the coach is going to look at and whether to play early is does he understand our offense? Does he understand he's not going to make a mistake? How, how is your mental game coming? Oh, my mental's good. You know, um, 
I worked on my mental a lot at the University of Georgia, so you know it's just something to continue to improve on. Uh, I don't feel like I lack in that area, uh, so I feel like it's okay. It's, it's not bad. Um, but this is a different offense. Yeah, it it is, but a lot of things are similar. So I just really, it's all about the concept of things, you know, being able to categorize things, put them in that place, and, you know, it makes it easier to learn and remember things and like that. So. Did you hear about the Darnell's performance in backs on backers? Yeah, I heard, I heard he held up pretty well. But it gets Watt. Yeah. I think that's not a surprise to you, I'm guessing? Not really. Uh, Darnell's always been a good blocker to me. So, you know, I feel like if Darnell come practice with the O-line for about a week, he probably can play right tackle. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Tomlin said he arrived with a reputation, meaning Washington. Yeah. He said we're going to make him prove it every day. Yeah. Any yeah. doubts that he'll do that? Nah, any, nah, not a doubt in my mind. You know, he has the size, he has the length. You know, he has the mentality. At the end of the day, he just got to perform. So. There's Steelers rookie offensive tackle Broderick Jones gassing up his former Georgia teammate Darnell Washington. You love to see that. And Labs, he really just seems like a mature individual for how young he is. And that's pretty much the case when it comes for most offensive linemen, I think. They they tend to mature beyond their years. Yeah, and this this is a guy who um, I, I'm not ready to say that he is – uh, prepared to be a starting left tackle in the NFL, but it's obvious that he belongs. Okay, uh, in in every sense of what I what the word means. I mean, certainly physically, he measures up. Uh, his attitude, his approach. Um, you know, this is a guy who he's not a seasoned pro by any means. He's still very young and developing and all of that stuff. But he's certainly on the right track. You know, you can just. The way he carries himself, the way he expresses himself, um, he's not, uh, he doesn't ride the emotional roller coaster. Um, there's a lot of things to like about this guy. You know, Mike Tomlin said, so far, so good. Uh, you know, that's kind of an understated way, I think, of assessing uh, Broderick Jones's training, first NFL training camp so far. But I mean, that's, that's the way head coaches do it, as he as Mike Tomlin even mentioned about Darnell Washington, he, uh, in terms of his blocking ability, he said he came here with a reputation. We're going to make him prove it every day. Well, because that's the way it is, you know, when you're a professional. It's, you can't be a sometimes guy. Um, you know, one of the greatest um, offensive line coaches maybe um, that I, – I won't say that he coached me or anything, but I was uh, exposed to him – as a media guy, both uh, when I was working for newspapers and covered Pitt, and then, um, you know, Joe Moore would visit uh, the Steelers up here because, you know, Russ Grimm was one of his guys, and right. Russ Grimm was the offensive line coach. And that was the Joe Mooreism. You can't be a sometimes guy. Sometime, and he was, you know, talking about it from a coaching uh, perspective. He said, sometimes guys get you fired. If, if you're... If you're a player who sometimes can look good, then you know maybe you seduce the coach into thinking that you're better than you are or giving you more playing time than you really deserve or putting you in situations that he thinks you can handle and you only handle them sometimes, well, that will get you fired. They get your quarterback killed. You know, sometimes, guys, that's, that's the worst that there is. At least someone who 
shows that he doesn't belong, you can deal with that. But, you know, the other, the halfway thing is, is, is just, it's, it's brutal. So I don't think uh, Broderick Jones is a sometimes guy. Um, he is learning though. And, um, you know, the mistakes that he makes or, um, the, the things that he has to improve upon, I think he recognizes that and approaches it in a diligent manner. And, you know, as he was saying, um, you know, one-on-ones, it's all about technique. And we saw this even back in the, in the spring OTAs and, um, minicamp, you would see Broderick Jones, um, kind of going against air, but working on his hand placement, you know, imaginary punching, his footwork, you know, all of those kinds of things that go into the proper technique for the position that he, he plays and is going to play. And, I, you know, I, there, to me, there is nothing about him that is disappointing uh, to this point in his rookie training camp. And I really think that this is a guy who has the mindset and the approach to go along with the physical skills to be very good uh, at his profession. And you can see why the Steelers were interested in trading up to, to draft him back in April. Another Georgia Bulldog on the offensive side of the ball had a learning moment during yesterday's training camp practice. We'll discuss that veteran influence on the Steelers being felt already when we return on the training camp report on SNR. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Opperman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. Labs, we're starting our last segment of the day, and I completely buried the big news. The Hall of Fame game is tonight. It's your favorite game of the year. I'm sure you have plans to watch it in its entirety. I'm sorry for not bringing that to your attention earlier. It's my fault. Um, I'll tell you what, if there's anything worse (laughs) than watching the Hall of Fame game on television, it's being there. and having to cover it. Um, You know, I understand that, you know, it's an important part of, um, you know, the Hall of of Fame is an important part of the NFL. And I get that, you know, it's a a very nice thing, um, you know, to celebrate the the new class of inductees and, you know, make it a big weekend in Canton and you, you, you have a game and everything. But, you know, an extra preseason game is, to me, is, is torture. For everyone involved, um, you know, the players, the coaches, um, you know, and and the game, I remember, and this was, you know, 30 years ago now, uh, Jack Ham always referred to this game as, you know, after the first quarter, the guys you see on the field are going to be working construction in a couple of months. (laughs) Um, You know, coaches are very um, leery about, getting anyone hurt in this kind of game. I mean, I don't even know how much you're going to see because it's the Jets and the Browns. You think you're going to see Aaron Rodgers tonight? No. You might not even see Um, Rodgers back up tonight. So, you know, there you go. Um, So, you know, watching the game um, isn't, in my opinion, going to tell you anything about the Cleveland Browns, a, a division team. And, you know, if you're interested in some of the things that the Jets have done this offseason to see where they might line up in the pecking order, you know, in the AFC East or within the conference as a whole, you're not going to get any indication of that uh, tonight either. Uh, Sometimes it's, 
you know, it's, it's a nice maybe change uh, from professional pickleball on, on TV. <laughs> you know, it's actual football. Um, but, you know, it's it's difficult for me to get excited about it. If if there are people who are interested in it, you know, and, and, and care to watch it, hey, good for them. You know, uh, it's beats baseball i'll tell you what i'm i'm not i'm not a baseball guy um never have been not for a long time even with the pitch clock but you know it's on tv um for anyone who is interested and if anyone is interested um they have my complete uh endorsement to enjoy it as much as they possibly can yep, if you fancy some third string on third string action then boy do we have the programming for you later tonight <laughs> Yesterday in practice, George Pickens had a bit of a rough go at it when it came to the officiating, got uh, called out of bounds after making a difficult catch during seven shots. Then he was flagged for an OPI after pushing off of cornerback Patrick Peterson during a competitive period. And Pickens was hot afterwards. He, you know, was not happy with the way that he was being officiated. In comes Allen Robinson, that veteran presence that they really haven't had in that receiving room in a while to pick up the young wide receiver. And that's what you want to see from these vets. It's such a young team that relies so much on these young guys to become great. You need at least a couple of sounding boards, I think, to you know help guide them along this path. Yeah, and let me just deal with the, um, the actual two incidences that uh, got under George Pickens' skin. The first one, you know, as I mentioned, I, I didn't have the vantage point to see it, so I, I don't know. Uh, he did make the catch. He did do the toe tap thing. Uh, you know, I just don't know if, if he got them down in bounds or not. And it, you know, it doesn't surprise me that you know this this is something that could be missed because again, there's no replay. And so many times, I mean, if this was a if that was a real NFL game, they would have replayed that within an inch uh, of its life. Would have taken okay? forty minutes. So there's that. Um, the other one, you know, and I, I mentioned this, um, I think it was on the DVE show. Uh, one of the things that uh, I, I won't say concerned, but I'll be watching with Joey Porter Jr. is uh, he has shown a pretty good ability so far in this training camp to be in tight coverage on these receivers. And um, he, he has a, a knack for reaching around and knocking the ball away. Now, one of my complaints about NFL receivers is, or excuse me, NFL officials is, sometimes in, in situations, they just throw the flag. They assume they saw something when they really didn't. And uh, I hate that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, you see it in basketball too sometimes with, you know, the reach around uh, that a, a defender will pop the ball out, they'll call that a foul. Now, did you see the foul, or did you just assume that he couldn't get that out any other way? Because if you didn't see it, you can't call it even if you think it was, or it should be, or it usually is. You know, I, I just, uh, you, have to, you have to see what you're calling. You can't assume it or, um, you know, use the, well, generally it's a, it's a penalty or whatever it is, and so I'm going to throw the flag. I hate that. And then those are also the plays that invariably sometimes end up with a long conference and then they pick up the flag. The I mean, the, if, if that happens, the guy who threw it shouldn't have thrown it. I, I would much rather um, watch a game 
with fewer penalties than um, you know a game that is constantly, as Marv Levy says in that famous NFL Films clip, you over officious jerk. You know, just leave it alone if you don't really see uh, a, a, a penalty uh, infraction occur. So that was the thing with George Pickens on the push-off. You know, I there was a little bit of an extension of his arm, uh, but I don't know that he really created um, an advantage for himself. Uh, so, and, and the flag came in. Okay, so he lost his mind. Um it was towards the end of the day, too, and, you know, I, I was losing my mind, too. <laughs> you were with him. You were right there with him, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Allen Robinson was not on the field at the time, and he immediately, you know, George Pickens went stomping off down the sideline a little bit, and um, Allen Robinson quickly followed him. You know, he's talking to him, talking to him, trying to talk to him, and Pickens just really wasn't interested at that point. Um, and... Again, it, you know, is it immaturity? Uh, whatever it might be, I, I don't. I don't really think that you know that's a huge problem. Uh, I don't want to overreact to this. I don't think anyone who saw it should overreact to this, and certainly anyone who's reading about it or hearing about it shouldn't overreact to this. But um, Allen Robinson was with Pickens for several minutes, uh, talking to him. Um, trying. To, I don't. I don't know the nature of the conversation, so I don't want to say console him or whatever. Whatever the 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 tone of the conversation was, you know, it it was try. It was trying to be positive and helpful. Right. I mean, it wasn't a um, you know nose to nose kind of barking at one another thing. So yeah, you're right. I mean, that's something that I, I part of Allen Robinson's job or part of what he can contribute to this team. Uh, is that calming, professional approach, uh, mentorship kind of thing, and that's what that's what he was trying to do in that uh, specific moment. Now, whether in that 120 seconds of emotional outburst, uh, whether you know it took hold or not, I don't know. But I think that one of the good things about it or the potentially positive things to come from it is that later on, um, you know, maybe George Pickens or maybe Pickens and Robinson will continue the conversation and they can, you know, work through it and maybe something positive comes from it. Tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., Labs and I will be right back here for another edition of the Training Camp Report. 1.55 today, your Steelers are back at it at St. Vincent on Chuck Knoll Field for another practice. We're going in the locker room next. Wolf and Starks are taking over on Steelers Nation Radio. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, Yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.